And I think just the recommendation as well, that when you get, obviously, agreements to vary and new offers, you'll get the part that's changed, but making sure you've got the whole history so you can look back through to really properly see what has changed and what you're really committing to, not just the little bit that's changed in isolation, because if you don't pair the two together, you, you don't necessarily know exactly what you're signing up to. Hello and welcome to the Connectology podcast. Here, Road Knight Taylor's influential team of elite connection specialists and their expert guests help you to better understand distribution and transmission network connections and how to acquire them faster, for less cost and at lower risk. Welcome everybody. This is uh, very exciting because we've actually got some cameras in here. So there, there might be some, some film going out at some point on LinkedIn of this. So joining me today, I've got three of the, what numbers now, five connectologists, which is very exciting. So we've got, first of all, our most recent joiner of the team, Kyle Murchie. Say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Catherine Cleary. Hi, Hugh. Pete Aston. Hello. Great. And I'm Hugh Taylor. I'm CEO here and I'm only nominally in charge. So uh, we are talking today and I've got a working title. We always have a working title of upcoming agreements to vary and mod apps. And, and I had originally thought that we were talking about mod apps and, and I'm not entirely sure what agreements to vary are. So could one of you just talk about the title? Can I tell you about what a mod app is and an agreement to vary? And I'll leave all the really complicated bits to Catherine and yep. Kyle. I'm jumping in quickly. So both a, a mod app and agreement to vary is where you get a, a different offer from National Grid ESO. So, so we're talking about transmission uh, schemes particularly here, although it could refer, I guess, to um, sort of project progressions from the DNO as well. But if we sort of just think about it just in sort of transmission terms first, so a mod app is where a developer's specifically requested a different offer to change something about their connection. So it, they might have changed um, the connection timescale, the, the capacity, potentially the technology. So something has changed and they specifically then need to get a new offer back from National Grid. Um, an agreement to vary is where it's the other way around. National Grid is changing something and they need to issue a revised offer to, to accommodate whatever it is that they're changing. And the two main differences are, if it's a mod app, you pay for it as a developer. If it's an agreement vary, you don't pay for it. National Grid covers the costs. Well, or, or you or you pay for it in your kind of scheme costs. So National Grid kind of tally that up against money spent against your scheme, but you don't get an invoice. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like you're not paying for it, but you probably are. So here's a really important question. Why are we uh, talking about this? So lots of people are about to get issued an agreement to vary. There are a couple of reasons why. Um, so uh, there are three things going on at the moment. There are, we've got the kind of end of the two-step offer process. So there are a whole load of people who are about to get, not technically an agreement to vary, but a step two offer. So they've, they've had their kind of step one offer, which was kind of indicative. And they're about in, in February, by the end of February, to receive from the ESO their, their step two offer, which will basically be a kind of variation of the existing thing they've signed with a few more details in it. So that's one class of customers who are about to get a kind of update on their offer. The next people are people who were contracted, they accepted their transmission connection, and they put their hand up in the expression of interest last year to ask for their connection to be accelerated. So these might have been battery connections, 
or other connections that we're ready to build. And they are about to get, and the first customers have already got one, um, but, but the ESO is kind of issuing this out in tranches. So the second group of customers who are about to get uh, a variation um, to their accepted offers are people who uh, expressed interest, so submitted an expression of interest last year to ask for their connection to be accelerated. So NGSO has just started writing out to those people with agreements to vary. So again, where that's coming from NGSO with your accelerated connection date and changes to that. And the third group of people are all of the connected, uh, contracted transmission customers who are going to have milestones added into their offers. So that's probably the, the third tranche of agreements to vary that we're going to see later this year. So they should start coming out after May. I suppose just in addition to that, you've then got the usual reasons for why a project might want to vary. And particularly as projects move further on in their development cycle, um, you know, additional information comes forward, technical uh, changes, for example, which might have an impact on fault level in feeds. It might be to change particular specifications of the uh, of the generator itself. It might be to traditionally it would be maybe to move your date slightly. Start you know, once you're starting to get a feel for when your actual completion date will be. So there's there's still all that going it's on. The, the business addition, as usual. The business as usual, absolutely. <laughs> in addition to all these other changes as well, and I think the complication there is. You've got multiple different reasons why a project might want to mod up or is ultimately receiving one. And you've got to try and layer them on top of one another to try and make sure you're getting ultimately what you need and, and want out of that, uh, that change. So what do people need to know about agreements to vary and mod ups? That's, that's too, too much. Should we, still, should we start with where, where, the, where the risks are? Where are the bear traps? Can I just add a different one in before someone else answers that question about risks and bear traps? It's just that. It's, it's just like a, an administration point, really. But with the ESO having to do all these mod apps and agreements to vary, they are super busy at the moment. That They are absolutely run ragged. So actually getting anything out of the ESO at the moment is, is quite challenging on a, like a site-specific basis that isn't to do with them getting out mod apps and agreement to vary. So, so that was just, it's a minor point, but it's... Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's an important it's one. Important, be nice yeah. to your camp. Yeah, 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 yeah. When be, they email nice. out this agreement to vary, it's one of about 700 they've had to do. <laughs> you know, there's a huge amount of work. So we feel for them. Yes, Absolutely. definitely. Feel for them. Yeah, good. So, bear traps. Things to be looking at. So obviously, this is quite, um, it's particularly important when you get issued an agreement to vary. So you, so you haven't requested a mod app or a mod offer. Um, so this is kind of coming out from NGESO. So you need to know what, why is that agreement to vary being offered to you? Is it? because you expressed interest in being accelerated, in which case you can expect that agreement to vary to have an accelerated date. With that accelerated date comes some accelerated obligations for you. So things like your securities will change to meet that new date. Um, you know, So potentially you've got higher liabilities earlier on in the project. You're also going to have milestones associated with that earlier date. So you are potentially, by signing that agreement to vary, you are committing to some really quite important project stuff. Effectively, you know, the, these milestones, if you don't meet them, you will be terminated. And um, so th there are some really quite significant pain points for developers who've put their hand up and said, I'd like an earlier date. With that earlier date comes the responsibility to be able to build earlier. Um, and that's both sort of financial liability and, and in terms of risk of you losing your offer if you, if you don't meet your, your milestones. Anyone got a bigger one, bigger risk? I, I just think on that, it's, it's just very careful for developers to look look super carefully at the offer that comes out and not just think this must be fine and and just accept it because obviously once you've accepted it 
you then you contractually bound by it. But you can choose to not accept the mod offer or an agreement to vary. So, so, so there can be circumstances in which you you've got an offer in front of you, you've done the assessment, and you go, no, I'm not going to proceed. I'm happy with my later connection date because I can't meet those earlier milestones or whatever. So, so you know, there's there's very much a decision a, point. A kind of a go or no go decision yeah. point. Yeah. Is there any any opportunity for pushing back on anything on these offers? So yeah, there are probably going to be a reasonable number of people who are in a position where last year they perhaps expressed interest in having an earlier connection date. They've now got an agreement to vary or they're about to get an agreement to vary, which perhaps offers them that earlier connection date. And as I say, with that comes the responsibility to be able to meet your milestones and your securities. The other point is that the earlier connection date you're being given is on the basis normally of non-firm transmission access. So you're expecting to now be constrained. When you put your hand up and said, I'd like an earlier connection date, you didn't necessarily know what that constraint risk was going to be. The ESO obviously asked people to kind of indicate what kind of constraint risk they'd be prepared to tolerate. So actually, one of the key things is going to be saying, okay, this offer is on the table to accelerate my connection. Is it worth it commercially? You know, if I'm being offered an acceleration of maybe two, three years, um, but I've got a curtailment risk, which I now think is really significant, maybe you don't want to build that project earlier. So it's really worth thinking about whether it's, you know, does that curtailment risk outweigh the benefit of, of getting on to the system earlier. And so there's some curtailment data, which is going to be provided, but it's not as straightforward as a, a sort of DNA curtailment assessment where it just says, you know, you've got an 8% curtailment risk. It is, it's the, the technical um, sort of outage conditions are being provided and some historic uh, data regarding those outages and a projection of how likely those outages, which might cause overloads, are to occur in the future. So you've got a few different bits of data, which will need analysis before you can decide whether it's a good idea to accept. And we're just starting to see some of these trickle through already, aren't we? Um, so, so you know, we're just starting to build up a picture of what the ESO are doing and, and what this curtailment information looks like. I think one of the ones we've seen so far looked a little sparse or a little odd. Yeah, perhaps didn't. So that, that, that to give people a kind of nuance there, that, that particular offer uh, kind of outlined some conditions, so some, some outage conditions on the transmission network under which uh, the TO thought there would be overloads. Um, but it also said that there could be uh, overloads and therefore the site could be constrained down under kind of normal running conditions, so an intact system. And obviously, we don't have any outage data associated with that because the intact system happens all the time. So actually, there's kind of potentially more information that might need to be provided if that's the case than, than the ESO have previously kind of committed to providing. So I think there might be a bit of ongoing discussion to make sure customers really can bottom out their constraint risk before they accept these. Because, you know, that customer is making a significant commitment um, in return to the ESO, you know, saying, yes, I'm happy to take these, these higher securities, these earlier milestones. And they want to be doing that on the certainty they've got a bankable project. That's really key because before you could make changes more easily, so particularly with the milestones being in place now, and as you say, with securities potentially now being increased and your trigger date now moving forward towards you, it will become much more difficult potentially in the future if you wanted to make some some further changes, whether that was to date, whether to technology, etc. Um, so the decision now is quite different to maybe how it would have been if you'd received something like this a year or so ago. So that methodology that developers traditionally have isn't necessarily the right one to to progress with now and it's important to say m most of these are going to have still the sort of three month acceptance windows associated yes. with them aren't they so so there is going to be you know time for developers to make some sort of 
assessment of the, the information. So it's not like you've just got two weeks to think about it and, and turn it around. Yeah. And, and this probably goes back to when you're making that assessment. Um, obviously, we've sort of talked about that, this as being a bit of a, a go, no go decision point. But it's probably worth us coming back to the reason that you got this agreement to vary. And there being a couple of different reasons that you might have got an agreement to vary. If you are one of these customers that asked for earlier non-firm access through that expression of interest, as, as Pete's quite rightly said, you could choose to not accept that agreement to vary. You can say, thanks, but actually I've looked at my timeframes and you know what, I don't want to accelerate the project. I'm, I'm, I haven't got planning yet. It's too risky. I'm, I'm not sure I can meet my milestones, so I'm not going to accept this agreement to vary. Um, you can make that decision and the agreement to vary will simply lapse. And what will happen is you will, you will in due course, um, in the second half of this year, get a new agreement to vary, which just adds milestones in. So no longer on an accelerated basis based on your previously contracted date. The other type of customers, so who didn't express interest in being accelerated, the people who are just getting agreements to vary, as I say, that's going to be kind of the last tranche of customers. So later on this year, getting agreements to vary purely to add milestones in. Now, technically speaking, you could not accept that agreement to vary. But in practice, if you don't accept that agreement to vary, the ESO will simply say you haven't met your, your construction sort of program to date or, or you're not showing us sufficient, you know, sort of credible development opportunities to do so. And so they will then start to take other steps, you know, to either terminate that agreement or to change your connection date. So you do need to be aware that you have a user choice about accelerating a connection date. When it comes to milestones being added into your offer, there's no user choice, really. You're going to get milestones or you're going to be kind of effectively pushed right to the back of the queue. Just on the, on the milestones point, so just going to flag Kyle's calculator that we've got on the website, so for calculating your milestones. And Absolutely. we've also done a podcast on milestones the other day. I think we have. Anyway, I think we have I'll, put link, I'll put links in the description to, to those things. This feels like a good time to take a break. Should we take a break? Sounds good. I hope you're really enjoying this episode so far and are gaining a lot of very useful insight. If you're a new listener, I hope that you'll feel like you might come back. If so, make sure you hit the follow button and feel free to sign up to our newsletter, The Connectologist, at roadnighttaylor.co.uk so you don't miss out on any of the podcast, webinars, case studies, thought pieces and explainers. Right. Welcome back, everybody. We've also been talking a lot about that, that curtailment risk and assessing curtailment risk, which obviously isn't easy. So I'll put a link in the description because I think we've done some curtailment risk podcasts and webinars um, and outage risk as well, which is maybe not quite so relevant. But we'll, we'll put links in to all of those anyway. That milestone calculator is a really good tool, actually. I mean, I'm just saying that, but um, but it, it's, it's Kyle's tool, so I'm being <laughs> I'm being very um, uh, it's it's not just blowing up my own trumpet, but um, but that is really useful. Um, obviously, the, the ESO kind of uh, haven't got something on their website at the moment, which lets you directly do this for yourself. So if you're not sure what your milestones are going to be, so you haven't got that agreement to vary yet, as I said, they're not coming out unless unless you're one of these earlier accelerated projects. Those agreements to vary with people's milestones are not coming out until after May this year. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, what's the bad news going to be? Um, it's definitely worth having a look because you can, you can just plug in what your connection date is at the moment, your contracted completion date. And, if, and the, it's based off when you get that new agreement to vary. So we're probably saying to people, maybe, you know, assume you might get that in, say, June, July this year. If you kind of put that date in as the agreement to vary date, then the, the milestone calculator 
will sort of work out when your milestones so will be. So the idea is that you'll know what to expect when yes, that, absolutely. that agreement to vary comes out. So it's not a significant surprise. You should know what it looks like. And also you can do a bit of a sense check as well if, if you're looking to put additional mod-ups in the future. You can get a feel for, well, depending on what, what date you put in or, or what date you receive that offer what those milestones would look like. Cool. And oh, I yeah. guess that, that, that kind of comes back, the, probably the original title of this podcast was just mod apps and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and how to do them, uh, what you need to think about. And I guess the reason for thinking about that is that you need to know what your, agree, your, what your milestones are likely to be in case you think you can't live with them. So if you think your milestones are going to kick in before you get planning, before you have land rights, you have a very limited window up until the 27th of May this year um, it's 2024, to mod app. So that is absolutely critical. So anyone who is thinking, well, I've got a connection date, you know, in the next five, six years, you are going to have milestones within the next couple of years. So you really need to look at whether or not they are achievable. If they're not achievable, you will lose that offer. You will be terminated. So it is a, this is a critical decision point. And the people. risk of termination, just, uh, you know, just to be clear, I think I'm right in saying the risk of termination relative to a distribution project are... Oh, it's far oh, higher. So it's, it, this is, yeah. we're talking automatic termination of a construction agreement and you get charged your securities. So, you know, so it's not just, sorry, we're going to have a conversation about whether or not you're progressing your project. This is uh, in 60 days, your, your, your contract will be terminated. And by the way, you owe us several hundred thousand pounds, you know, several million pounds. The, the, the financial penalty of terminating is going to be significant for a lot of people as well. So with milestones, you can still change your date. So you can move out your connection date through an, a mod app. But importantly, the milestones stay fixed. Sure. So even if you say, well, actually, I can't connect for another two years, you've still got to do all that, all the planning piece, the land piece, all that needs to be done in line with, with whatever you've agreed. Unless, unless you submit your mod app in the next, yes. in yeah, the next couple of months. So yeah. if you get that mod app in before May the 27th, then, <laughs> then you, you, you will get new your new connection date. But that, um, but that mod app is charged as well, though, isn't it? It is, if yeah. You, if you do that. And I suppose, and one of the kind of key points, I think, and Gesso have done a really good job at highlighting this on various webinars, but we should probably make it as well, is that if you are one of those customers that's thinking, I don't like the look of what I think my milestones are going to be, I'm going to submit a mod app to push my connection date back by a year, a couple of years. There is no guarantee that you will get that connect. If, you, if you're looking at a connection date that maybe is currently sort of sitting there 2027, you don't feel comfortable with those milestones, you maybe want to push it back to 2029, you need to be very aware that the ESA may come back and say, I'm sorry, actually, we're going to offer you 2034, 2036. You're not necessarily going to get the date you want. You know, the, the queue has obviously moved on significantly since you made your original application. So, so people need to be, be really aware of that risk. You could get sort of stuck in that limbo situation of, you know, if 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 you don't mod up, you can't meet your milestones. If you do mod up, your connection's so far out that it might not be viable for you. So so caught the, between the, the devil and the deep yeah, there could be that risk. That, that, I think there absolutely is that risk. And, and to be honest, I think that that is kind of it's perhaps inevitable in the sense that we've perhaps seen quite a lot of customers not progress transmission schemes as as quickly as we would normally have expected. Perhaps if we'd gone back sort of four or five years where there were smaller volume of applications, those applications were less speculative. Um, so I think, you know, it is a, it is a risk that people have oh, potentially incurred themselves by, by applying too soon and then not doing anything with those transmission offers. It's also, it's when we're talking about putting the, a mod app in the next couple of months and trying to get that sorted out before the milestones come in. Am I right in saying it's not just getting the mod app in, it's getting a clock started? 
No, I think you have. Oh, sorry. Yes, no, you're right. You have you have until May the 27th to get the clock started. Yeah, clock started. Probably in practice means you need to get that application in by the beginning of April. Yeah. End of this week. Takes quite a while, doesn't it? Clock, moment, clock start moment. has been taking a long time yeah. because of some of the administrative processes in the ESO in terms of invoicing customers. Um, but, but I suspect there will be a bit of an effort to yeah. try and accept. But if you're that. only doing a change to push your connection date back, there's not there's nothing really technical there for them to sort of have a conversation with you about. So it might be a bit easy for them to clock start it if it's just a date change. As long as they can invoice you. As yeah. long as they can invoice you. And actually, I've got a question for Catherine. So, because I don't know the answer. So, in the case where you've gone through some internal expression of interest and you're now getting an earlier connection date, would you also be liable for early use charges, early access charges? So, effectively, it re that earlier offer, the one we've, well, the, the couple of ones we've seen so far, um, effectively move forward your, your energization date, so your ACL date. So you are essentially, we are now moving the entire kind of securities and liabilities process. So it's it's not a case of, there is a concept of essentially requesting access before your your completion date in the contract, which is which is a slightly different yes. process. So so no, that those kind of slightly more detailed charges associated with a, a generator who's perhaps requesting early access for like auxiliary supplies on site. That's not the the mechanism that the ESO are using here. That, as far as we can see, it, it is much more simplistic. It is literally you used to have a a completion date, so your 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 ACL date, your connection date of twenty twenty eight, and now we are rewriting your um, your construction agreement appendix J, and you're going to have a completion date of twenty twenty six, say, and and that and that then gets curried forwards into things like your S curve for your securities and liabilities yeah, okay. and your MM statements. I, I'm really curious actually as to whether Pete knew the answer to that. No, not at all. <laughs> good question. So it's a good question. I, I, I've got another question for Catherine. This is like, oh, yeah, like grill Catherine. In the hot seat, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Um, With the sort of voluntary mod app to delay um, the connection date um, in order that to be able to meet milestones, is there a risk of incurring delay charges on your connection? Yeah, I th- that's a good question. I mean, I think the answer is yes, because because absolutely, if you do mod to, to delay a connection date, um, then you can incur delay charges. It's probably worth explaining to people, in pra- there's, there's a couple of elements to a delay charge. There are actually two types of delay charge. People who are interested in the techie detail, it's all in the, it's in the charging statements. Um, so, so NGETS or the TO's charging statement. But in practice, it relates to a TO having delivered works earlier than they needed to. So this is something you need to worry about a lot if your connection date was coming up in the next few years and you know that the TO has started doing works um, and you're trying to push that back. Hopefully, not very many projects that are trying to push back their dates are in that position. More of them will be in the kind of you know pre-works having started because yep. the project hasn't really been progressed. But I think in theory, you're right, that that is a relevant concern. It's probably more for those that are just like... A- couple of years away from connection isn't it yeah exactly. that's very yes. very few projects right uh contractually sure. there are still a lot of projects sitting with dates in the next you know two years i mean when, when, right. when the esa did their original key miles key management milestones you know they, they analyzed that to say you know how many because actually if you have a connection date in the next two years you were going to be exempt from milestones but i think very sensibly the eso said you're exempt from milestones unless you don't appear to have been actively progressing your project to meet that connection date in two years' time, which they think is about 40 gigawatts worth of projects. I think roughly that number, 40, uh, that, 50, somewhere yeah, in that that's region. Yeah. 
So actually, so there are quite a few contracted parties who, you know, in theory should have been, you know, going into construction and are possibly still kind of just desktop projects. And therefore, those that could potentially have delay charges applied. And actually, in a lot of cases, if you're making even minor changes quite late on, getting quite close to energisation, there are going to be some form of delay charges. It's, it's the magnitude that's, that's going to be quite key. It is definitely something to have quite clearly on your risk register and definitely we would advise quite a bit of... Is this a podcast topic for the future? Delay charges, Ooh. or maybe or maybe we should... It might be a bit of a niche one. I yeah. might have to see, yeah. see if we get lots yeah. of customers coming to us I and might, asking I questions about delay charges. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So could I have from, I guess, all of you, a simple list of what is my checklist that should be um, hopefully giving me peace of mind when it comes to mod apps or agreements to vary? I guess for any offer that you get back, there's a few that say whether that's come as a result of you submitting a, a modification application or whether it's just come as an agreement to vary direct from National Grid. I think the the kind of the key one for me is probably looking at your new date and how that impacts your securities profile. So I would definitely be making sure that you have a new S-curve. And then I think the other thing for me is, is looking at that appendix Q. So you'll have a brand new appendix, appendix Q, which is going to be your milestones. Yeah, and as part of the liabilities and that S-curve, is then mapping that out and being able to see right exactly when is the trigger date. Because that's going to be really key, particularly for those projects that have moved forward. That trigger date could be much earlier than was initially anticipated. And then I think you also need to be looking to make sure you've got all the adequate information around the curtailment. So, so yeah, have you got the historic outage data and so on? So, yeah, just making sure that you've got everything you need to be able to do that analysis. And, and should you expect that outage data? In, in, in yes, so so so, so that outage data should come from the ESO when you get your um, your agreement to vary. If you're getting one of these agreements to varies, which gives you non-firm access, so, so. check that you've got it and check that it looks plausible. Right. Exactly, yeah. And whether you need to request anything further, as we said, that I think the, one of the ones we've seen so far, we do need to have a further conversation about data. With the ESA. With the ESA and the yeah, TA. Cool. And I think just the recommendation as well, that when you get, obviously, agreements to vary and new offers, you'll get the part that's changed, but making sure you've got the whole history so you can look back through to really properly see what has changed and what you're really committing to, not just the little bit that's changed in isolation. Because if you don't, pair the two together you, you don't necessarily know exactly what you're signing up to that is really important actually so so on the front page of your agreement to vary there is a useful bit of text which says we are varying the following documents and it will say things like your bca your construction agreement appendices and then it will say things like all of your other documents remain the same and you'll think which were those other documents so actually it's a kind of jigsaw puzzle to go back and look at what you were given originally which will include bca appendices so like you know your appendix a your ab your appendix c things like that probably haven't changed because appendix c just deals with your tech probably hasn't changed you know so so actually you need to take all of the new bits you've been given and add in all of the old bits which haven't changed and then you've got your complete set of what would be your contracted position if you sign and the old bits could be over several modifications in the past, depending on the duration of the project and how long it's been going for. So it could be that, you know, you're already have, you know, seen an offer where we were reviewing something that was on version F. So you're reviewing new documents for version F, but you've still got to try and get back to version A. With these projects, there is so much at risk. 
and yet there's so much more complexity than I'd even dreamt of. And that's that's why I'm, I'm it's the nature of transmission. Fit. These these are big projects, you know. People are trying to build. There is a huge amount of technical and commercial information in a connection agreement, and the numbers are huge. The numbers are huge, exactly. You know, it's, it's something that I, I think the vast majority of you know of, of our listeners, you know, I, I totally understand that. You know, that, that actually, you know, contracting a you know five hundred megawatt project at transmission is is no small task. And all three a, of them know that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you think we've whittled down the audience in the process of this podcast. Anyone still listening probably knows this. <laughs> Great. So uh, unless any of you got anything absolutely burning, then I think we'll, we'll call it a day. And so thank you three uh, very much. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. And we'll uh, catch you on the, on the next episode. Thanks, you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for taking your precious time to listen to this episode. Now, not everyone is ready to have a connectologist in their life. For others, it's just too expensive. And as our team is so small, we do have to be very selective in what work we take on. And that's why we put so much effort into these shows. We want our society to have the equitable energy system it needs in order to decarbonize and to thrive. So we want to help to topple as many connections barriers as we possibly can, in spite of our size. So please do feel free to ping a link to this episode to anyone you know who might be interested, because it would mean so much to everyone here.